Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend, John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, coming in. Yeah. So, Glenn, hey, thanks for joining me today on uh, Between the Fur. Yeah. Hey, hey, great to talk to you. It's been a while. I it have since I think mascot you. Yeah, yeah. Last summer out at yeah. uh, the uh, mascot Hall of Fame out there in Whiting, Indiana. Whiting, East Chicago, actually, <laughs> out in Chicago. That's what I tell people that it makes sense. Yes, yes. You know what? As I actually talked to a guy yesterday, uh, kind of a, one of our big wigs in uh, in our company, and he asked, "So there's a mascot, you you know, a, a Hall of Fame?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "It's in, where in, in it's in Indiana, isn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He goes, "I you know I grew up right there. I grew up in Gary." I was like, "You grew up in Gary, Indiana? Come on." He's like, oh yeah, and I got you know, and so and so's from there, and so he started naming off all these, uh, all these big important people that are from that area right there. So wow, yeah, wow. it was it was kind of fun. Wow. <laughs> well, like, well, next time I'm out there, man, I'm going to that. Yeah, well, if people haven't seen it, it's amazing. It is well worth the trip. Yeah, and you know, we were out there for Mascot U, which uh, you ha- have put together with Robert Bodwin, and uh, I got to be a guest speaker and. Well, we did your ring ceremony for you. Yes, yes, and the ring ceremony. And for the people that don't know that, uh, uh, he was inducted into the Mascot Hall of Fame. And he received his his ring. (laughs) And and we had the the mascot, you mascots, all lined up cheering him on. And part of the entourage is he received, they went through this ceremony. And he received his ring. And it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. Yeah, that ceremony, were, I'd never seen so much confetti flying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In such a concentrated area. I think they're still cleaning it up, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've, at one point, I just decided to swim in it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was so fun. Uh, it was a great weekend. And you know what? Is I still keep in contact with uh, some of the people that attended that uh, mascot you, you know, they reach out to me every once in a while. Hey, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, I'm trying to do this. And, and, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm still trying to help these guys and, and girls. And it's, it's, it was a really good experience. I was really, really glad I went out there and, and, uh, at least participated in it, you know? 
And well, thanks. And, and I'm really glad to hear that you're connecting with people because that's the whole thing is, you know, if you're a college mascot and you're trying to break into the, you want to break into the, into the, you know, pro teams or whatever, you can't just pick up the call the phone and, and call somebody. And what we're trying to do is create relationships so that if somebody's got a question for you, they can reach out to you, you know who they are and you're comfortable uh, just to uh, answer the question for them. And that's, we're, we're really trying to create community. Yeah. And it, uh, because it's starting, it's really working. Well, you know, cause like if, if you're a, a minor league team mascot, a college mascot, you're doing your own character. It's lonely at the top because it's not like the, the, the four top pro leagues that they have their conference every summer or whatever time of year and get together and share amongst themselves. You got to figure it out on your own. And you're the guys that you're talking to are trying to figure it out as well. So well, we want to give them momentum and, and leverage them forward. And I think it's really working. Exactly. And you know, you find people that really have a passion for this industry and, oh God, you're right. but if they don't have a, a connection or, a, or somebody you know, everything's about who you know. Yeah. And so at least, you know, at Mascot U, you're learning stuff and you're also making connections and uh, networking a little bit as well. So I love it. But, um, you know. Well, my favorite story is uh, around, around Mascot U and us is we are sponsors of the Mascot Hall of Fame. And we had a, a, an offer to give away two tickets to their uh, fundraising gala. And we had a uh, social media posting contest. And the guy that won it, a guy named Joe, he posted close to 200 times on social media. He was just like, he wanted this. And he, he went, he met Zoli, who was also, also a speaker last year mm -hmm. at Mascot U. And now he's traveling all over the United States with the Harlem Globetrotters as their, uh, as their mascot. No way. And, and we did a we did a, a mastermind call of the people who've registered for Mascot U so far, and Zoli Zoli was on the call, and Joe was on the call, and and Zoli said, "Man, this guy is he is on it. Like he is doing such an amazing job, and it's because of the connections that we've been able to build for Joe. Otherwise, he'd still be saying, "Man, how do I how do I figure this out? How do I make it go?" So, you know, it's stories like that that get me excited, and I know it's stories like that that get you excited as well keep me going yeah i love Absolutely. that you know i i had a kid reach out to me in the last day or so here he's 16 yeah. he is the mascot for uh a minor league team where he's at and a mass and a, a mascot for another organization as well so two mascots and he's all he's only 16 and he's asking he how he would you know take his show to the next level and how he'd introduce skits and and videos and things like that to this these companies that he wants to take to the next level not just in his performances but take the overall show to a a, a better level and i'm like 16 holy cow that's great well, so we're directing him about, to you for you gotta, mascot you you got to tell the story about nick who's coming to his third mascot you oh yeah <laughs> yeah Hell people probably nick. don't know about nick and it's an amazing story yeah, you know what? It's like I'm gonna have him on next. That is the next yeah. podcast. I'm telling you, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to Nick. Nick is uh, the what he he boasts as the uh, youngest uh, mascot. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So he is a mascot for 
uh, gosh, he's been with a bunch of NBA teams, a uh, bunch of baseball teams. But, but Nick, when he started uh, at Mascot U, and he'd been doing this for a few years, his first Mascot U was nine, and he's going to his third in a row. He's going to be 11 this year when it happens, I think. He lives and breathes mascots. Oh, he does. His mom was telling me um, that in his spare time, he's always on YouTube watching videos of other mascots. He puts a lot into it. He does. He does. Yeah. So, Glenn, let me switch gears here real quick. Sure. Uh, you are uh, known for, and, and your start and your, uh, I guess your background is uh, of stardom is you were Harvey the Hound for the Calgary Flames. I was, yeah. Yes, for how many yeah. years? So let me, let me give you a little bit of the background. Yeah, so a buddy, of mine, back. a buddy of mine named Grant uh, uh, was doing the local football team here, a team called the Stampeders. And the mm -hmm. Flames came to town. And, of course, in Canada, hockey is – all Canadians are crazy about hockey. And he went and pitched the Flames that, hey, you should have your own mascot. And um, they said yes. So he came up with the concept and he got it going. And he got through, I think, maybe his first season. And he had a job where he had to travel a lot. And he, was, he couldn't balance both. So I was running the mascot program at that time for an event called the Calgary Stampede. And... Uh, we were friends and he said, Hey, why don't you help me on this? I said, sure. And we became business partners and we owned Harvey. And, uh, cause the, at that time the flames didn't want to own the character because if we failed miserably, they could say, Oh no, that wasn't our mascot. That was just a couple of schmucks that we hired, but it actually went <laughs> the opposite direction. It became hugely popular. And there's lots of stories I could tell around the success of that character. So uh, so we had the Hound going, and Grant launched them in 84. I came on later in 84, I think. And I did it with Grant until 92. I was kind of his backup. And, uh, and then I went on and I did game ops for the Flames. Uh, I moved into the game operations role, and I was running street characters. So in, in 84, we started uh, Harvey. First one in the NHL. Teams had come play the Flames. I'd get a phone call hey, that's a great idea. Can you make one for us? And it was like, uh, yeah, no, this is just, we're just doing this for fun. It's a lark. It's not a real business. Calls kept coming and coming and people would say, well, where can you send me? And we'd say, nobody knows what they're doing. That's why we had to make our own costumes. And so in 87, we started making them for others. 89, I bought out Grant. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, we're one of the bigger guys out there making uh, uh, making characters and really well known for the sports characters, which, as you know, are the most difficult to build because the performer has to be highly active over a long period of time. So it's a whole different criteria to a, a theme park. Yeah, and you know, not just uh, durable and things like that, but you're, as far as as far as active and things like that, but it's also the number of appearances that we do is just. Sure you know, unbelievable. So you, you put in all those numbers every time you're in the costume and then yeah. the things that we're having to do. So, yeah. So it, it takes somebody that knows what they're doing. And uh, I haven't honestly worked with you that much other than mascot you when we got to hang out and just chill and talk for a little while one-on-one yeah. -on -one and, and things like that. So, you know, I got to uh, know Glenn real quick and, and, 
and, and realize that he is a, uh, a true professional, you know, in all aspects. And, and, uh, so anyways, um, yeah. So some of the experiences that you had being the first NHL mascot had to be yeah. interesting. I mean, first of all, uh, am I right when I say NHL, NHL fans, hockey fans are very traditional. Well, let me, let, let, yeah, let me walk you through it because it's an interesting story in Calgary. So Calgary is the uh, Houston of Canada. It's where the oil and gas industry is concentrated. And right. when, uh, when the Flames came to town, they pretty much, they sold out instantly in season's tickets. And the buyers of the season tickets were all the oil companies. And oh, wow. They would do uh, season ticket surveys every few years and they would do demographic studies. And, and what they found was that uh, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but you know, the, in 80 some percent of the fans in the building were 50 or older. They had a university degrees. They, uh, you know, white, you know, white collar jobs. And, and so when you, did the, when you did the demographic study and you said a, an older, um, highly educated, white-collar crowd, mascots won't work. <laughs> and yet, when the Flames would do their, their season ticket survey um, every couple of years, one question they would ask is, other than the hockey, what's your favorite thing at a Flames game? And consistently, 85, 87% of the people would say the mascot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we were successful because we understood our crowd. We played to our crowd and we had a lot of fun uh, doing it. And we made sure they were having fun. And uh, so, you know, the number one takeaway, I would say, from what I've said so far, is really understand who your crowd are and make sure that you're playing to them. And so when companies say, or people say, well, mascots are only for kids, I say, yeah, I disagree because in the building I was in, the only time we saw kids was on a Saturday if the Mighty Ducks were in town. Right. On a Saturday afternoon. Otherwise it was all adults. Yep, white collar. And you know what? Everybody wants to have fun anyways. So, mm -hmm. you know, you play to your crowd and Oh, they're all going to have want to have fun. They're all going to want to loosen up. I see people in my in my crowd with ties on, and I'm all, I always walk up, grab their tie, loosen it up a little bit. Like, come on, yeah. man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have some fun, relax. Yeah, you know, and, and and you also speaking of kids, it's it's so interesting to watch these kids uh, come up to you clamor around you and everything but i always take my eye off the kids and watch the parents kind of out of the corner of my eye they light up yes it's a lot of times more about the parents saying go go over there shake his hand go over there go pull his tail you know yeah <laughs> it's like come on man but uh and a lot of kids are are more apprehensive but the the parents are way more into it than the kids half the time so well that's true you know again you think about it the, this giant cat or dog is staring down at you it's pretty intimidating if you're two and a half feet tall yeah <laughs> hey so speaking of being tall and, and all that uh weren't you famous for walking on top of the glass or something yeah so uh um 
we had we had this did you start thing, that uh well it was grant started it and it was it was quite something you could get up on the glass and i'm sure there are clips on youtube <clears throat> where uh, we'd walk along the glass and then our feet would slip and we'd end up straddling the glass uh-huh and of course, all the guys in the audience would go, oh, <laughs> and they knew it was going to happen, but they couldn't resist. Right. And uh, it's probably like your experience. You know, people get to know that if, if, if this, is, this happens, this is going to happen. Exactly. So they always yep. knew if we got up on the glass that that was going to happen. Then but everybody's thinking, elbowing, watch, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll watch, elbowing their buddies. Watch, watch, here comes, here comes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I used that to my advantage one time. We had created a new character for the LA Kings. And the fellow that they got to wear the costume wasn't the right guy. He was a bit of a whiner. Um, they, got him, they brought him in because he was a, a figure skater, I think, and really didn't get the concept. And I knew that if I put him in costume first, he'd, uh, you know, we'd have an issue because he'd do nothing but complain about the costume. So I said to my uh, contact at the Kings, guess what? I'm going to do the first game for you. Gary can watch me do it. And so I did it. And he said, okay, well, that's fine. He said, but here, I need to tell you some rules. No, you can't do this, can't do that. See that section over there? Do not go near that section. I said, <laughs> okay. So I go and I get in the costume. And I know you're the same way. If somebody tells you you can't do something, you got to go do it. Exactly. The whole time. You start, well, from they, that point on, you start scheming to get to do that. <laughs> it, was the, it was the rowdy section. He said, they'll tear you, tear you apart. You go up there, they're going to tear you apart. So I came out, they introduced me. I'm waving to the crowd. I, I looked at my contact from the flames. I looked at the crowd and I pointed. I looked at him again and he's going, no, no, no. no. <laughs> and I just gave him a little wave and I took off. And I went running up there and I climbed up on some railings and I did that feet slip between the legs. And again, the whole building goes, oh, but I won them over. I knew I had to win the worst section over. And if I did that, then I'd have everybody's respect. Then that's exactly what happened. So I really used that to my advantage to win over a whole building one time. And we had a blast. We had a great time. And he never said anything after the game about, gee, I told you not to do that. Exactly. Ninety-five <laughs> percent yeah. uh, of the time, they'll eat their words, or they won't say anything. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I get told all the time. In fact, the first time that uh, the commissioner came to a game, and this was way way back yeah. when David Stern came to the to the game for the first time, and I was told, okay, this is the section he's sitting in. Yeah. Don't go near that section. Yeah. Don't throw anything in that section. Uh, absolutely avoid it. Uh, I think they even told me that he has security around him. If you get near to him, you know, you will be uh, stopped. Uh, all that. Anyways, gosh, it wasn't even halftime yet. And I had already gone up there, shook his hand. This is before cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> So we didn't take a picture or anything like that, but I went up there, shook his hand, gave him a fist bump and uh, made him laugh and yep. left yep. Uh, afterwards after the game. In fact, no, it was the next day. It wasn't after the game, but the next day I heard from president of the company yep. 
that uh, that the commissioner was in his office after the game and said, "Hey, I tell you what, you have got a great mascot there." Cool. And nice. uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, won him over, and and uh, from then on, I never had any problems with. I saw him at All Star games and things like that, and he'd always loosen up, shake my hand, you know, and then of course go back to commissioner stern you know but well, and he always knew you were going to make him look good you weren't going to embarrass exactly him. you weren't going to do anything that would to take the shine off his position in the organization you were going to make him stand out and look good and uh, you know if you do that and you understand that that's part of your role they appreciate that yeah yeah so you know that 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 never has changed the other night we had the uh Oh, I can't remember what she's called now, uh, but she is second in command. She's the uh, like vice gosh, commissioner. Uh, yes, vice commissioner. Thank you, yep. thank you. Uh, she was at a game, and it, so it's not Adam Silver. He's you know it's it's uh, the second in command. But they tell me don't go over there. The same old story. Yep. Sure enough, I was, you know, made my way over there at some point, and I look up out of the corner of my eye. She is snapping pictures, and laughing. Yeah. Then I went up to her and of course she was like, Oh my gosh, it's so great to me. She was like a giddy fan. Awesome. That <laughs> is awesome. Shaking my hand, give me a hug yeah. and all that. And then she pulls, you know, she's got her phone there and she's like, I, I need a selfie. I need a selfie. And so I actually took the phone from her and yeah. lifted it up and, you know, took the, took a couple selfies of us and stuff. And she, she lit up. She was just having a ball and didn't hear anything about it after the yeah. game. So, <laughs> yeah. but I think it's now, okay, we have to tell you this because we were told to tell you this, you know, yeah. Yeah. this is policy. Yeah. Hey, did you ever have any league rules rewritten because of you, something you did? Oh, yes. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family-owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego Chicken. <laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over 1,000 mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a few uh, few rules out there. One is, uh, and I've talked about this on another podcast, but I'll, I'm going to bring it up again here on this one, where uh, one, of the, one of the most impactful is the, um, it is the rule where you cannot be on, their, on the opposing team's half of the court now that's the rule during introductions you're you can be fine out there while they're warming up you, you're fine but when it comes to introductions you can't be on their half of the court because oh i did this bit for a while there where i would get kind of in the way of their yeah. path as they would you know be introduced and high five on their way out and they you know they form a little huddle out there or whatever as the other guys are coming out off the bench as they're introduced well i would set up right in the that path 
playing Twister or Jenga, or uh, at one point I was sitting on a toilet reading the newspaper. I, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's that rule. There's also the rule where mascots cannot get on the score table anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's because yeah. I, I had a, uh, uh, I had a bit where I would always. Uh, go over to the table, get everybody clapping on that side. So I'd stand up on the table, get everybody clapping, yeah. and then I'd do a backflip off the table. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, they actually made a rule and said you can't do that anymore. And this was way back, too. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, the president of the company actually came to me and he said, No, I like it. You do it until we get fined. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. So, yeah, I, I kept doing it for years. And finally, it came down. They said, you know, course management changed and on and on and on. And yeah, I, I, yeah couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. But, well, we, we got uh, a rule written around the mascot using the opposing team's jersey. And, uh, you know, our philosophy was that you never wanted to give the other team a chance, a reason to beat you. And we would spend more time abusing ourselves than, than anything. And uh, we had this, uh, this intermission and uh, a, a dummy in, the, uh, in an Oilers jersey. Calgary and Edmonton have, have this huge rivalry. And uh, so, the, so the Hound comes out with this dummy wearing an Oilers jersey and Everybody's going, oh, this is going to be good. He's just going to beat the crap out of this dummy. This is going to be so good. Well, he spent the whole intermission setting this dummy up. And then, like, you know, he'd set it up in front of the boards, get it laid out just right, take a few steps back, look at it. Oh, oh just, just suck. He's not perfect. Move one hand, maybe a quarter inch, step back, frame it again. Okay, that looks good get up on the boards, go to jump and slip and wham, straddle the boards and fall off the boards. And well, that didn't work. I'm going to put them over here, you know, three feet out from the boards on the ice and <laughs> I'm going to line them up and I'm going to run and I'm going to jump on them. And, and, and when he jumps, misses and clears the dummy and hits the boards and once again, is you know, cobwebs and, and uh -huh. waited. And, and so never laid a finger on the dummy but created the illusion and the anticipation something was going to happen. And then when the team came onto the ice, we could look in the glass and we could see the reflection of the, of the, on the glass, the team coming onto the ice, waited till the coach came onto the bench, Glenn Sather, and then took the dummy and gent, gent, gently lifted it up over the glass and into the penalty box. And the place just went crazy. Well, the coach <laughs> figures that, dog has been you know beating up a dummy with our jersey on it the, you know the entire intermission we can't stand for this so after the game we go into the uh the media lounge and the edmonton media are there saying that is the funniest thing i've ever seen it was hilarious it was lots of fun because we didn't do anything to the team right right and uh but uh, the next day, a call went into the league about this damn dog and what he did to the jersey and dogs. The mascot shouldn't be allowed to have jer do anything, you know, adverse to the 
the opposing team jersey, which we would not, never done anyway because we didn't want to give them a reason to beat us. Right. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we had a we had a, a, a rule written once. Uh, I stopped the game once. They stopped the game so I could do finish a stunt I was doing. What? It, yeah, it was. It had snowed really heavily in Calgary, and uh, I had a big set of snowshoes and was walking around the the arena and i'm standing on the steps i'm looking at the snowshoes i'm looking at the steps and i and i realize this is really just a toboggan so i laid the the snow one of the snowshoes on the stairs and kind of motioned to the crowd you want me to slide down and they're going yeah 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 do it so i get on and i slide down and boom right into the boards and it made this huge booming sound stand up, kind of dust off the cobwebs, go up to where I started. And of course, what do you do? You look at the crowd and you point higher, like you want me to go higher? And they're going, yeah, 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 higher, higher, higher. So I went up and I did it again down. The boom was even louder. So I went up to do it the third time and I went right to the top of the section. And they're getting ready to drop the puck. And the media guys are telling me they're leaning out over the media box trying to see what's going on. Because all they can hear the crowd, all they can hear is the crowd going, Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. <laughs> ready to drop the puck, and it gets so loud in there, he waves off the, the face off, and they all turn, and he just crosses his arms, and they all watch me come down and slam into the, into the boards. No. And, uh, yeah. That is yeah. beautiful. So that, so that was lots of fun. Uh, that, that I created such a commotion that they they waited and stopped the game and waited until I was done before they would start start it up again, which was pretty cool. Come on, that is unheard of. Yeah, yeah, no, it was fun, and we didn't get in trouble because you know the one thing about I think the Flames organization is you know they they wanted people to be there and have a good time and and Canadian audiences can be known you know as being a little more quiet and reserved and. So if they've got activity going on in that building, then they're they're happy to have they're happy to have commotion and you know excitement in the building. So from the right. from the crowd, right? And your intent wasn't to take the attention. Your intent was not to stop the game or anything oh. like that. Usually, oh. I mean, hey, if you were to actually cause something to stop the game, yeah, well, that's a different story. But if the referees turn and going, oh yeah, I want to see this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and especially, I didn't think anybody, I didn't think the NHL would, would uh, I don't know if they do that these days or not or whatever. I have a, you know, I have a, uh, I know that the NHL likes mascots. You got to, they, they include mascots a lot. But gosh, back then, I think it, that, that, that just surprises me. Uh, uh, on some levels, so that's well. That's you know, we were figuring it out on our own. There may at that time there may have been one or two other teams, maybe that had characters. We still may have been the only one doing it. So you know, and it was different then because when I was when I moved into game ops, we had from the time the building doors opened until the end of the game, we had twenty one announcements. So think about that because you'd probably do eight eight or ten before the game even started right at least so you'd only have a, a handful each thing so anytime that the uh, the whistle would blow um there was 
there was the hound and there was the organist and we had a trumpeter and that was it. The, we had an old, it wasn't even a video screen. It was a dot matrix screen with the great big light bulbs that you could kind of do animations on. <laughs> and so, I remember those. And so, and so when the whistle blew, that was our cue to do something. And, you know, we, we always came with something new so that they knew they'd see something fresh each game. And uh, we always made sure that they were having fun. And sometimes we were playing to one section. And, and, and this goes back, I think, to a question you asked earlier. Sometimes we were, we were playing to one section and sometimes we could get the whole building involved, depending on what was going on. Like the time on the snowshoes, pretty much the whole building was in on that. Um, but one of the interesting things about hockey is, you know, you think about the other sports, you can go down on the playing surface, right? And you can be center stage and you can have everybody looking at you and everybody, you know, the, every, you can be everybody's focus and they, all they got to do is look on the court and there you are. It doesn't happen in hockey. You're no. playing section by section at a time. You have to learn probably much more one-on-one -on -one and how to play with different parts of the crowd uh, because you know, most of the time, the most, the most of the building that's going to see is maybe a quarter of the building. Right. If, I think if, if guys in, in the NHL or in hockey don't realize that or don't uh, focus on that, they're going to have a difficult time. They're going to have right. more, uh, more, uh, more challenge developing their character because they just have such a limited time on the stage, like you said. That's right. So, yeah. But, you know, back then... It sounds like you were, uh, uh, of course, like you just said, you were learning and, and developing uh, as you went. And there wasn't a whole lot of rules. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, examples out there. You were the example. So yeah. my hat's off to you. Yeah, well, it, it took them a few years before they showed up with a rolled up newspaper and started swatting us on the nose. So we were pretty good. We got, <laughs> got away with a lot. <laughs> Back in the Wild West. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, one time... I well actually when I started with my team, uh, the the first shoes uh, that that my character had were almost two feet long. I mean they were wow. Well they were they were good twenty four inches. I mean they were big feet, and I looked at them. I said, hey, so how, how am I supposed to run upstairs in these? How am I supposed to run in these? And the comment that I got back was, well. <clears throat> Harvey the Hound has big feet, and so he just runs up the stairs backwards. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. No, there's no way. <laughs> so dispel that right now for me, would you? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They were, they were probably about 16 to 18 inches long is my guess. Um, but we did a couple of things in them that made them – so we used to really uh, softer foam so that they would – kind of mold to your feet and they would start to get a curve. Mm -hmm. And what we would do is when we were running up the stairs, we would turn our toes out and kind of run up with our arches facing into the steps. If you follow, right. yeah. turn our feet sideways and, and run up that way. And that worked well. And then, you know, coming down, as long as you were planting your heels on the, on the stairs, you were fine. It's if you missed <laughs> one, then it got interesting. Right. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So you overcame all kinds of challenges, NHL stage, uh, glass opposing team fans and costume, uh, <laughs> issues. 
Wow. Yeah, those shoes for me, I, I'll tell you right now, didn't last, but I think one game. I just said, yeah, these I, uh, so I, these are too big. <laughs> yeah, well, so, but don't forget, we, the costume we designed on our own, and we uh, hired a seamstress, and she made it under our uh, supervision. Yeah. And in well, fact, when Grant had the first one done, it was out of uh, sheepskin. So imagine how hot that costume holy was. Holy cow. And, uh, and then another little known fact was, uh, you know, we had the Olympics here in 1988 and, uh, they had a dispersal auction afterwards where you could buy all the office equipment and stuff. And, and if you look at the, the opening ceremonies of the girls that come in with the, the country names on the, the banner, uh-huh. they had this nice, uh, white fur trim on their, on their outfits. And they had ordered way too much, so so that's that's what Harvey was made of for a number of years was surplus Olympic fur from the opening ceremony. <laughs> okay, that is one for the books. That's one for the books. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Sheepskin and also that that fur from the Olympics. Holy yeah. Well, the yeah. sheepskin right, right. lasted the round one, but right. Uh, yeah. 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 You can't go very far. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the, that is so funny. They and we were the first ones to start using the, the foam that everybody seems to, it has become the industry standard. A lot of things we, we created are now with the industry standard, but one of them is the foam that's used in the heads. Yeah. And we used to do a, a dive-a-thon every year as a fundraiser. And uh, Harvey wore, wears a cowboy hat and Grant would sit on the side of the pool. I'd pull the cowboy hat off. And I'd start loading lead weights into the head of the character because that foam floats. Right. And so to get him to neutral buoyancy, we figured out that we had to put 55 pounds of lead in Harvey's head just so that he could <laughs> go up and down in the water as he wanted to. So, <laughs> Holy cow. That's still using great. that foam today. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, Glenn, I, I love all this stuff. I, you know, I probably should wrap this up, but sure. you know, I know that you have tons more and I would love to hear a lot more stories and everything, but um, you know, we'll have you back on cause, cause gosh, you're a, uh, you're a legend and you've seen so much in your time that uh, gosh, I'd love to just keep going with you. Well, you know, we had lots of laughs when we were, we were in whiting and lots of great stories and, and uh, so, yeah, no, any, anytime Cam would love it. And uh, by the way, you know, you'll have to tell people you've got a webpage set up and they can go on there and register for Mascot U through you, then they'll get a discount on their, the registration. And uh, we're in an early bird right now. I don't know how much longer it's going to be on. It will probably bump it up here shortly because we've had some pretty good response. We're ahead of last year's reg- registrations. Awesome. And we haven't done our push yet for the uh, colleges. And so we, um, you know, make sure that uh, when you do your edit that you let people know what page that is. They can go in, click your link and use the code that you have there and they'll get a 10% discount on MassGotU. Right. We'll put this on Facebook as well and, uh, yeah. you know, get that link on there. And yeah, go on. You guys hit that promo code and, and get a discount on uh, MassGotU. Yeah. It is well worth it. Yeah, honestly, got to do both to make it work. They got to click your link and use the, the, the promo code, the discount code. Right, right. 
yeah cool cool well yeah glenn i'm gonna try and get out there for it as well i just want to come out and visit and i know that there's going to be a couple other ceremonies and things and so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get out there that would be awesome that would be awesome thanks kev all right thank you glenn talk to you soon thanks for listening to between the fur peace <laughs>